We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principal, where we interview real principals who are doing amazing things to help our students every single day. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter, at Jethro Jones. I am super excited about my interview this week. This is Chris Weijer, the uh, wonderful principal from chrisweijer.com, and he's a principal up in Canada and is just so inspiring. We're going to talk a lot about PBIS, Positive Behavior Interventions and Supports, and how to create a culture at your school where students feel respected and want to be there. We're also going to talk about his trick with a bouncy ball that has worked every single time for me since I've used it to correct students' negative behavior within seconds. And for me, it's been within two or three bounces of the ball. I hope that you enjoy it. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to share this with principals who may be struggling with behavior issues at their school because I know that what Chris offers in this podcast will definitely help them. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you. Um, I've been lurking on your blog for a long time. Um, I'm in my third year as, a, as an assistant principal right now. And um, the things that you've written about um, have really inspired me. I'm not yet in a position to to uh, implement all the things that, that you're doing. But, um, you know, I dropped little hints here and there and try to try to push our faculty to go forward. And, and I've been using your ideas um, in a lot of things. And so there are a few things that I want to talk about today. Um, I, I know you just moved to a new school at yeah. right after Christmas or so. Is that right? right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to hear about what you're taking with you to your new school and um, what you're leaving behind. And um, I know that you've been very reflective about that on your blog already. 
So I just want to hear um, what like the one or two most important things are. But also, I want to spend a lot of time talking about rewards and punishment because um, at our school, we're very big into PBIS, and there are a lot of um, opportunities for students to get special things to help them have good behavior. And mm-hmm. um, we are a Title I school, uh, which means that we have a lot of students that live in poverty. And so they're, um, we're finding that they're very motivated by those things. Um, and sometimes that makes me a little nervous because yeah. um, we want them to be motivated to do the right thing because it's the right thing. Yeah. So anyway, why don't why don't we just uh, let you start talking and I'll interrupt when I have questions. And does that sound good to you? Sure. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. If you want to just sort of um, jump in at any time, because uh, I could probably talk for days here. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been known to uh, be short on words. So. <laughs> well, that's good. Um, well, yeah, I appreciate you. You fi- we're finally uh, being able to uh, connect here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the move to my school, I went from a um, uh, a rural rural community. Um, it's not too far. It's only a couple hour, an hour and a half outside of Vancouver, um, but it is a small town mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, low economic. I mean, you kind of have a, a wide range. You have you have wealth, but you have the majority of our students were. Uh, at the poverty level or below. And uh, so we did have a, a very transient community. So you had kids that would be, you know, in grade two in their sixth school or fifth school. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you had a lot of stress in the home. So the kids were coming to us with growing up with stress. So a lot of self-regulation um, or lack of skills around the self-regulation, the self-awareness, self-confidence. Um, you know, they they... We're just trying to survive the day. Um, Uh And so I've gone from a school like that um, to a school where we're in a higher socioeconomic area. Um, You know, the the parents are are involved in different ways. They're more visually involved. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're at the school more often. Um, There's just there's there's more money around. Uh, The kids are are from more stable homes. There's less transient uh, less transient houses here. I mean, there's not a, most of the houses here are, are, are places that people own. And, um, whereas in my former school, there was a lot of people that rented and they were just trying to make, make ends meet. So it's been right. a, <clears throat> excuse me, it's been a really awesome experience to come from and to see both because there's, there's strengths and challenges in, in both communities. Um, but there's also inequities. Yeah. You know? So I, I do want to say that, that, uh, that you were, you were taking away the rewards at, at Kent, which was lower income is, is hopeful because sometimes I think we think that, that we, we have to do things a certain way because of the circumstances of our, of our population. And that's just not true. You can, you can guide and shape the behavior that you want to see in different ways. So I appreciate you, you giving me that background on that. Yeah. And, and, and that's a thing, um, and if we if we believe that kids are driven by rewards, then it would be all kids are driven by rewards, not um, whether based on your socioeconomic exactly. background. Yeah. Uh, my belief is that kids, yes, kids are driven by rewards short term, um, and so when you put the short term piece in there, then we have to start asking the questions about what happens when that reward is taken away. Uh, what, what happens when that reward is removed and what impact does that reward have on the actual task itself? Um, 
you know, do, what what message does it say if if we're going to give you a ticket for um, helping another child out? Does that say that that task or that um, that behavior of helping another child out is is something that's not worth doing unless there's a reward there? Um, does it put the prize on, uh, or does the focus become on the prize rather than on the task or rather than on behavior? <clears throat> and I saw this. We had a, I had a, a an idea at the time that uh, on making a difference. We wanted kids to make a difference. Well, we still mm -hmm. want that. And we were going to have them put their name up on the board if they got to make a difference. And they were going to get this button that said, I made a difference. And mm -hmm. It was a good idea, um, but it backfired because, um, a ch well, and it, well, here's one example. A child brought it in. I brought a, brought a, a, another child who had scraped her knee. She brought her to the, the office. And um, I was like, oh, thank you so much for, for helping out. And she's like, oh, do I get one of those make a difference things? And she got the button, the little, it was actually a ribbon, got the ribbon and then just bolted back to the playground. Mm -hmm. The other kid was just standing there, you know, still upset. So it was, the task was completely focused on the reward and not on the actual piece that, hey, you know, you're helping another human being out. Mm -hmm. So that's where we can go too far. And I, I feel for, I feel for teachers and principals at, at schools with high behavior needs. And I yeah. think that we just, we're lacking so much support. We're lacking the um, the tool tool tools in our toolkit to um, to actually provide that support. So we have to rely on things like rewards to just try mm -hmm. to get us through the day. Uh, to try to make it appear that we're 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 functioning. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> because you know uh, I've been there, and it's a way harder to move away from rewards than it is to to give those tickets and 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 make it appear that we're we're doing the right thing and it feels good. It feels great to give a reward. There's a smile on the, on the child's face. The parents are happy. Everyone's happy. Um, so it, it gives us that sort of perception or that image that what we're doing is, is the right thing. But I think it's important for us to step back, go up, look down from, you know, the, the 10,000 foot level, 30,000, 30,000 foot level and see what are, what impact are we making as these kids move along? And yeah. are we are we actually teaching the skills? Because within PBIS, there is a ton of good stuff. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, about teaching the skills, about acknowledging the efforts, about uh, providing praise based on or provi providing that feedback, that ongoing feedback about, you know, having, um, ge getting some evidence of whether what we're doing is working. Um, the piece that I think th that obviously I have an issue with is the, are those tickets or the, the prizes that, that are associated with that. And, and a friend of mine um, who's been involved in PBS, he, PBIS has had me made a comment to me that he said basically that unfortunately the, the tickets have become the, the sign of PBIS or the, the, yeah. the mascot or whatever you want to mm -hmm. call it. The, uh, and what it does is it actually takes away a lot of what PBIS is about. Um, those, those tickets were originally designed as reminders to, to for people to to you know acknowledge the positives um and so you know my question is is, is how do you what's one ticket worth to you know like, right you know if you, if you if you help a child out who's basically gone through a divorce or gone through a separation or came to this uh, to the school after being slapped or not eaten you're helping them out is that worth one ticket versus you picked up a piece of garbage is that worth one ticket so there's the the currency issue yeah. as well and so. and at my middle school where i taught we gave out uh, little 
cards to kids when they're making the choices, right? And one of the things, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the things I started doing was kids would start saying, well, I want that candy bar you have. I'll give you five of these tickets. And it became this this black market. And the <laughs> the social studies teacher that I that I carpooled with, who was also on my team, uh, he and I would often joke about how our kids were making that into a black market and how we were letting that happen because those are good skills for them to have. And they're probably they're reacting appropriately to the to the things that we're giving them, you know, yeah. and and that's how they need to act in the real world. And they need to figure out how much things are worth. And and so we we didn't encourage it, but we didn't not encourage it. So, <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, they basically make it a game, right? They, mm -hmm. they, they game the system, much like grades and and uh, other aspects of our of our system. Um, sure. There's ways to to game it. To you know, you find out. I mean, I I did it as a high school student. I mm -hmm. I, I became very very skilled at how to read teachers, and what they wanted. Um, and so I was able to f read from them and meet with them to find out what was going to be on the test and and do well on the tests, and then. I got to university and that didn't work out so well. So, <laughs> but I recovered and at least I had a good good support system in place that that helped me through that. Um, but yeah, the, the other the other thing about the rewards is is they often um, the kids who who were trying to reach the most don't get a lot of the rewards anyways. It's it's the kids who are already doing well and those are the ones who I worry about is the ones who are already doing it exactly. and now we add a reward. So if, for example, if you're already I don't know, say your neighbor, your neighbor comes along, or your neighbor's elderly, and you've been clearing the snow out for, for him for a number of years, then he starts to pay you. Mm -hmm. um, and then that becomes a bit of an income for you. Um, and then all of a sudden, they take out, take away that reward or take away that prize. Um, what is your motivation to continue to do that? How is that impact? And I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But some of the research from Desi and Ryan would say that it actually takes away from that intrinsic motivation once you start mm -hmm. to... Um, pay someone, pay something, pay someone for doing something they should normally be doing. And uh, allowances are like that too. You know, right. like, you know, do you, do you pay kids to do the dishes? Well, that's just part of, that's part of being in our, in our house. You mm -hmm. need to, to do the dishes, right? There's, there's not something we need to pay you for. That's part of living in our house. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I, that I think about often is that um, we see kids start to copy negative behavior because they see the kids who are having poor behavior getting rewards because oh. we are setting them up for that. And so mm -hmm. other kids say, wow, so that kid, he throws <laughs> a fit. And if he only throws one fit each day, he gets to play on the iPad for however many minutes because that's the reward that's built into his tracker. So maybe I need to start doing that. And we had a real problem with that last year where we were trying to to correct students' behavior, and it was definitely backfiring on us, and we had a lot of copying going on, and kids were doing those things mostly because the other kid, they saw the other kid get away with it and saw the other kid receive rewards after yeah. doing that negative behavior. So that's, that's a that's interesting, yeah. yeah. And you see the kids too that if you know, okay, you're you're you use your example where okay, here's if you do this, then you'll get time on the iPad, and then when you know it's it's nine ten. 915 and they've already lost that right now right. you got nothing left exactly <laughs> so yep. so then the kid is just having a complete meltdown not because um of what was happening before but because now they've lost that reward and that's when mm -hmm. the reward becomes a punishment it's now we've taken it away so 
yeah, and then you got nothing left. It's like the three strikes rule, right? If you yeah. give up, you got three strikes by nine thirty. Now, what do you got for the rest of the day? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you have to. And and the thing, the the piece that is so so important, uh, especially in a school with high need students or a school with high poverty, is that sense of belonging. That mm-hmm. sense of that you're coming to school, you're going to be cared for because for some kids that's uh, they get that more at school than they would um, outside of school. And uh, so when you have a teacher that makes a child feel so welcome and and, in an authentic way, Mm -hmm. then um, a lot of those behaviors um, tend to disappear long-term. It doesn't change the first day you make that happen, but when that school becomes, or that classroom becomes their classroom and, you know, when they're welcome every time they get there, I've seen, uh, I, I know of a, a few teachers that have just done an amazing job of this. And that's their only goal. Mm-hmm. The only goal at the start of the year is to make them feel welcome and make them feel like they belong in the classroom because they've been kicked out for a few years of classrooms on a regular basis or pulled out for support. And uh, I've seen a huge impact on that, but it takes a, a ton of effort. And that's the, that's the hard thing when you've got 10 kids that require the support. How do you do that? Yeah. So you, you started down where I was going to ask my next question. That's you create a sense of belonging to help, to help those students change behavior without using rewards. What are some other um, strategies and skills that teachers and principals need to have um, to be able to ditch rewards and focus on doing the right thing? Cause it's the right thing. I think it, I like what Dr. Ross Green says is that kids do well if they can and and adults do well if they can. So how do we create the conditions for them to do well? How do we create the conditions to teach the skills that they need? And and before we do that, Green talks about figuring out what the lagging skills are. Um, so for example, if, if a kid... Um, you know, lashes out, starts to misbehave, starts to have meltdowns. What, when is it happening? Who is it happening around? Why is it happening? Um, and we often go, well, they're looking for negative attention. They're looking for any kind of attention, whether it's negative or positive. But when we go below the surface, you'll see that, well, actually, it's the written output that they're struggling with. And they're just trying to avoid that, that written out, doing that written output. Or they don't have the skills to do that. And they don't know how to say, I need help. Um, so it, it's it's having those conversations where you're trying to peel away the layers to find out what is really lagging in in the skill development of this child, and that's a hard hard thing. I really yeah. I love what Dr. Ross Green does, but I really struggled with trying to implement his ideas because it requires so much support and so many sort of one to one conversations to try to to find out where people where these kids are struggling. Um, but that, that was a huge, a huge piece. And then, and then creating the environment for it to happen, um, tapping into kids' strengths, tapping into their interests, finding out what helps them to be engaged in school. Um, you know, encouraging that it's, uh, I always said that at, at kids school or my former school was, um, and I, and I probably would say this here as well at, at James Hill is that if you're with us for two years, we'll, We'll, we'll figure we'll figure out how to best support you. Mm-hmm. Two years is a long time, though. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's teacher meltdowns, <laughs> there's there's kid meltdowns, there's parent meetings, there's things that 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 um, that that happen. I got to be honest because before I left Kent this year, I was really struggling. I was really mm-hmm. struggling. I started to really question. Okay, 
am I doing the right thing here? Can I just bribe them? Because there's just, I know I can get through the day if I can just bribe them with this um, because it would have been easier. And I talked to um, a former or a teacher at Kent school yesterday and, and to hear that a lot of the kids are doing much, much better um, now. And they're, they're, they're feeling more pot. They're feeling more um, engaged at school. They're more confident. They're, you know, they're, they're having less issues. Uh, made me feel pretty good because uh, I, I was starting to question it because mm-hmm. there was just an overwhelming amount of kids. And sometimes it's that one child mm-hmm. that can just disrupt an entire learning environment. Uh, so you have to that dilemma of, you know, safe environment for the, the, all the kids or, or trying to make sure this child is supported in the classroom. And, um, you know, at some point you do have to remove when it's a safety concern, but you know, it's hard to teach social skills when they're not in the classroom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I hear you. Um, so what were some of the, the things that you did to to buy yourself time? You talked about making it through the day if you can bribe them, right? And mm-hmm. and I know that's what realistically we all we all deal with. So what are some of the things you did to buy yourself time so that you could make it through more days without bribing them? How did you deal with that? Um, we had a – at Kent, it was a very um, – culture of our kids mm-hmm. you know so there was um i mean basically we had a meeting and said look we're, there's no more money coming in there's no more resources coming in so what are we going to do um we're all struggling here what are we going to do and we had teachers saying you know what i had a good relationship with with um, sam when he was in grade one you know what if he's if he's struggling send him down if he's having a rough day send him down and sometimes that turned into um, a schedule so it was mm-hmm. based on the need that uh, Sam needed that time in the, so he say he's grade five. Sam needed that time in the grade one classroom uh, as a purpose. Okay. You know what? I can help. I'm mm-hmm. good at that. Um, so if he, he started to start his day every day for 20 minutes in that grade one classroom, and then he would go back to the other classroom. So now he, he feels um, he has a purpose in the school. He feels confident he did something right. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, and there's no ticket for that. It's just, you know what? that that's a need of his. So the teachers really worked well together um, that helped. Um, and I was constantly in the classrooms, constantly trying to help out. There were time, many times where a child could not be in the classroom and I was with them. Um, you know, sometimes they'd have a meltdown and, you know, so you're just sitting with the child while he or she's having this meltdown mm-hmm. until they can come back to there where they're a state where they can actually talk about it. We had amazing, amazing support staff um, that were willing to work together. Again, not just in their classroom or with their kids. It was, it was all our kids. Um, they would teach other kids how to respond. So it's, it was like a coaching philosophy, where it wasn't, uh, wasn't just about coaching the kids that were struggling. Mm-hmm. It's about coaching the other kids on how to respond when they're struggling. Um, and then for me, it was like more often it was boys that I was mm-hmm. dealing with, and so getting them doing something. Um, so like a bouncy ball, right. so we'd go outside and we, we throw the bouncy ball. And what that does is that you have to focus in order to catch, catch that bouncy ball, you have to focus. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it would bring their, their flooded emotions to this, um, this more focused state. And we could talk while we were doing that with, with boys, it's important to, you know, have them doing something, uh, yeah. to talk some of the, some of my favorite uh, conversations I had with my dad was while we were, while we were chopping wood, mm-hmm. um, there was, you know, where if my dad and I would sit across from the table or across a desk, we would sit in silence. 
Um, and I found that with some kids or even doing Lego. Lego was another thing. And I got, I've got that one. It was like, well, now you're rewarding him for bad behavior by making him or having him do Lego. And I said, no, we're missing the, the point here. The Lego is, is just a, uh, an avenue to get conversation, to get him to settle down. Once we're settled down, we can at least have that conversation and we can return to class. The goal is always to, to be back in class when right. she's ready. And, and I've, I've noticed that too, just yesterday, I, or day before yesterday, I had a student who was really struggling and our, our guy who does the recess stuff outside, he had a jump rope that needed to be put back together. So those little plastic things yeah. needed to go on. And just like that, this boy was talking with the coach and was, yeah. was relaxed and was putting these things on. And I had been with him for an hour and couldn't get a word out of him. And, you know, that, that's something that I think we miss a lot is we want to know why are you doing this when that may not be as important as getting them to calm down so they actually can talk about it. And that's, that's an important thing. So I'm going to bring some Legos in, Chris. That's a, (laughs) that's a great idea. And the, the other piece is, is trying to figure out, you know, we often do the reactive piece and as principals, we are, you know, assistant principals, vice principals, you know, you're often dealing with, after the fact, which is too late, right? Yeah. I mean, yes, you do need to do that. But if they've already had the the conflict or the meltdown, then, you know, it, it's it's almost too late. So we pinpointed certain times of the day that we knew kids were struggling. And uh, for example, one boy uh, struggled after recess. He struggled coming. He struggled during recess. He struggled. So morning recess mm-hmm. struggled on his way in from recess. And then after recess, because he was just so high strung. He loved competition. He loved sports. But he could not handle uh, if somebody didn't follow the rules or somebody or if he lost. Mm-hmm. And so I became a bit of a coach out there for him. We, we all, all the supervisors took on a couple kids as, as uh, we were their coaches. Um, and so I would intervene if I saw him escalating and say, okay, let's go for a walk. Uh, on the way in, we would either come in early or come in late because he couldn't handle the crowds mm-hmm. of, of coming in after recess. And then we did the bouncy ball thing for a while and then we found chess. Or checkers, sorry. Mm-hmm. Checkers worked really well for him because, for one, he was actually quite good at it. But second, uh, I was able to um, – I'm not very skilled at checkers, but I was more skilled at checkers than he was. Mm-hmm. So I was able to provide some opportunities for him to have success and also to be challenged where he would lose. Mm-hmm. Um, and he went from throwing the checkers board at me to 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 the point where we were talking about – Look, you know, when you're watching NHL hockey, you, you know, do you see them throwing their sticks? Do you see them every time something bad happens? So you have these conversations um, before they happen. So you sort of pre-teach um, the skills that are needed. Now I say, you know, I, I you know, joke around, say, right, you know, I, I've been practicing, so I'm, I'm likely going to beat you today. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, you know. And sometimes I would, and then to see how he would respond to that. And he got better and better. He actually got better to the point where I, I couldn't really play the – <laughs> the I couldn't decide whether I was going to win or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it became actually more of a game. And it wasn't about the winning and the losing. It was about reacting when something doesn't go as you thought it was going to go. How do we respond in that? Um, and it's also, you know, we, we try to talk to kids when they're flooded, when they're having these awful days and when they're having these meltdowns. Um, and that you can't talk to them when, when they're at that stage. So it's important to find time in the schedule to talk to them when they're calm um, and just saying, you know, I've noticed you've, and this is green stuff, but I've noticed you, you know, when things don't kind of, you know, go your way when you're playing hockey, you tend to throw your stick and you, you, 
you know, you get a little frustrated. Can you tell me what's up with that? And they'll say, well, so-and-so always breaks the rules and, you know, they, they get into it. And then you can try to help them with, with that area, but giving some ownership and you say, well, here's my concern, the safety of other kids. And, uh, and so you put them both on the table and you try to find out a way that it can work for both. And I've done this with grade twos, grade threes. Um, it's worked very well, but it's providing the time to follow up and meet with them on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And at a school uh, like Kent, that was challenging when there were so many kids. And that's where I think people go, well, we're just struggling. Mm -hmm. And so we need a, we need a system. And I think systems are important. That's one thing that I, I would, I regret was not, I basically did not even look at PBIS because of the rewards. And I think that was a bad move because there are things within PBIS that are very good that can help out every school. It's that system piece, right? Where everyone's right. on the same page. And I would have just, if I were to do it again, I would take in PBIS and, and just sort of removed some of the extensive data collection that is like, you can't even keep up with it. And um, so to find out what data we want and then, and then use the, the skills and the teaching bits that are in there uh, to try to help them and, and without the rewards, because um, there's some good things in there. And I, and I felt that often we were just trying to survive or just trying to get through the day. And we didn't have that system that we were all looking at. And when you can't have a really a standardized program when you're dealing with kids, uh, like we didn't have a program, but I think we could have more of a system. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big believer in systems also. And, and just so you know, Chris, the, the PBIS that our district really wants to push and that I believe is the right way to do PBIS is what you've been describing that pinpointing when things are going wrong and then pre-teaching kids how mm -hmm. to respond to those things and then letting them try it. And then when they mess up, correcting their behavior yeah. And reteaching all along the way. I mean, that's what PBIS, I think, really is about. And as yeah. you said before, rewards have become the unfortunate mascot of, <laughs> of PBIS. Yeah. But yeah. having having a system, I think, is a is a great idea and definitely can relieve a lot of um, a lot of stress and difficulty. Yeah. Um, well, you think like we if a kid can't read, we don't bribe them with uh, with you know, learning to decode, you know, we bribe right. them. Sometimes we bribe them to read, which I have other issues with, uh -huh. uh, to actually just try to read books. You know, you read so many books, you get this prize, but right. um, the, it's a skill. And so is behavior, self-regulation, self-control. Those are skills that some kids learned very quickly. Other kids struggle with. So we, we can't bribe them if they can't do it. Um, you know, you can't bribe someone to, to run faster if that's, if that's as fast as they go or jump higher. Um, so, but you can, you can help them to practice and coach them to teach those skills. So, and we never, never punish a kid for, for not understanding how to read. So, you know, we have to really consider why we would punish a child for not having the skills uh, that they need to be successful with behavior. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Chris Weger. He is inspiring and I've got a whole nother episode um, for next week that I think you're really going to love. Also, we're going to get more into how he establishes that culture. Some of the things that made him um, such a great principal at his last school and what will continue to make him a great principal at his new school. So make sure you tune in next week. Please share this with your friends. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week on Transformative Principles.
Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE.